Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Hey there. So the next few episodes, I'm going to be taking a slight detour from imposter syndrome and going deeper into the importance of fun. As I have discussed in previous episodes, making fun a priority increases self-confidence by exercising the right hemisphere of the brain. However, I hear time and time again that adults don't have time for fun, or they don't even know what to do for fun if they even have the time for fun. The next month or so, I'm going to be bringing on some special guests to give you some specific examples of how these women made play a priority in their lives. Finally, before we jump in, my next adventure retreat for women physicians is March 11th through the 13th in Hilton Head, South Carolina. You are perfect for this retreat if you want to feel more confident or fulfilled in your career, if you are feeling isolated and want to connect with other women physicians, or if you just love having fun. The weekend will include lots of time for play, fascinating lectures, and delicious meals. And Category 1 CME will be available. If you sign up before January 1st, you will save $500 off the registration fee. You can go to www.consciousinmedicine.com forward slash retreat or click the link in the podcast description to get signed up. And you can always send me an email at kyates21 at gmail.com if you have any questions. All right, let's go into the episode. Hey, Rebecca, thanks for joining us. Hi, Kristen. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be learning all about you and your hobbies and all the amazing things that you're doing. So tell everybody about you, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I am an internist. I do primary care internal medicine. I'm in my 15th year of practice out of out of residency. Um, and I've got three kids. My oldest is almost 20 and my youngest just turned 10. So I've got a big spread there. Um, I am in full-time primary care practice in South Mississippi and um, with a physician-owned large multi-specialty group that I love. And I got into photography in a point in my career about, let's see, it's been six or seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really profound burnout experience toward the end of that first decade of practice. Um, I was practicing as a hospitalist in the beginning in those first that first nine years. And it was there was a real transition period for me where I was just realizing what I really needed versus listening to the voices of what I thought I was supposed to be doing and really started to realize that I I wasn't listening to my voice, my inner voice. And I had the opportunity to go to a conference uh, in a beautiful part of the world. It was in Hawaii and it was a relatively short conference. It was three or four days and I I couldn't stay a really long time, but I was there um, and didn't really know anyone else there at the conference. And so I wanted an activity that I could do um, by myself that was still safe for kind of a traveler who was, you know, a woman and alone. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I had always had an interest in photography, but had never really developed any skill or knowledge. You know, I could appreciate beautiful photographs like all of us can. Um, but I didn't really know how you get those to happen. You know, every once in a while we all get a good shot, but we don't really know how it happens. Yeah. Um, and so I bought a camera 
before I went on that trip because I found a, um, a, a local tour company that did photo tours and they basically would take a group of people who um, wanted to learn more about photography around to beautiful places on the big mm -hmm. island. So I um, spent most of a day and they taught me the basics of photography. The, we call it the the exposure triangle. And if you have a, if you have any much knowledge about exposure or about taking pictures, you know, there's, there are three, three main things you have to think about when you take a, take a picture for um, how you're exposing it. And so you learn how those three components interact, and then you can use your camera on manual mode. You don't have to use automatic modes anymore. And the rest of it is all like experimentation. And um, it, it really, uh, it, almost instantly I was taking better pictures once they showed me, you know, what to do. And it, it, there was so much like, an, there was an instant reward, that feeling of, Oh, I've got something that looks really good. Now I can take this home and show people and make it the, you know, the lock screen on my phone. Um, and now I can learn how to take pictures of, you know, my kids and, and other people uh, and places. So I, I really, appreciated the there's the technical aspect which I think for many physicians might or you know just people in general if you'd like to learn new skills it's interesting because there really is a there's a science to it it's optics and there's also this beautiful art side this mm. this you know a photograph even nowadays when we all have access to high, you know, high res video in our hands. We can take it anytime we want to. A, a beautiful photograph just has a quality to it, a moment that's captured that is beautiful and can, can be so meaningful. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it forces the, the person who's looking at it to stop and when you're the photographer, it's kind of the same thing. You have to stop and you have to look and you have to pay attention. You have to look at the light and you have to, you know, you just have to be thoughtful and mindful in a way that we don't, we don't always do in mm -hmm. the rest of our lives. If we have, you know, we got kids, we got a job, we got all kinds of things to do. And um, I just started to, um, I started to spend you know, bits of free time learning more about it. So mm -hmm. um, it's just given me um, a lot of fulfillment and being able to have something beautiful to look at as a product of it too. I love that you, the juxtaposition that photography, which I never really considered before of like left and right brain. Oh yeah. Perfect. Like this, the function yeah. of the left and the right brain, because mm -hmm. so few things really embody both, you know, the logical, the thinking, the processes with the creativity and the present moment. Um, and I think that we could all use, so many of us could use that more right brain heavy side, you know, embodied mm -hmm. in our life. So it sounds like photography really does both of those things and brings mm -hmm. like magic in the middle. Oh, yeah. And I think it's also, you know, for anyone considering it as a hobby, it is, you know, it's something you can, you can get almost immediate results. Mm -hmm. You can almost immediately take better photographs, no matter kind of what level you are, unless you're a professional, um, you can find somebody who can teach you in a relatively short period of time. Um, you can find it online. It's easy to get education in it now. And um, you can, you can get 
better pretty quickly. And it also doesn't, you know, the cost for the hobby is not at nearly what it used to be. I mean, you can get a really great photo editor. You can use, you know, Adobe Lightroom is what I love to use. And then Photoshop, if you want to get into that too. Um, and then, you know, a good camera, you can spend a thousand dollars and get a great camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you could spend $10,000 and get a great camera. You know, I mean, your toys get more and more expensive, but you can do beautiful things with entry level equipment. And, um, and then it's just sort of this, this trial and error along with, you know, experimentation and the, there's, like you said, there's the left brain and the right brain part that the highly technical and then the incredibly, you know, artistic Mm-hmm. sides of it and it's just it's easy to get into and it's it, it's it's a great um it's something that you can show to people one of the things that's been the most rewarding to me was um it was a lot it's a lot harder to take good photographs of people than landscapes in mm-hmm. my opinion um you can find a beautiful landscape and get a pretty good picture of it it doesn't you know you can do that but to take a good photograph of someone takes a good bit of practice Mm. and you need a good teacher. And I, so I've spent a lot of time working on portrait photography Mm. and I, I, I don't do it for money. I don't have a business, but I've done it for friends. And, um, I had one of those friends of mine told me recently, I, this is four or five years ago that I did a photo session for her. And, um, she said, I never really told you this, but those photographs you took of me changed how I saw myself. Mm. You know, she's like, I looked confident and beautiful and it changed what I thought about me. And that's, you know, another, just a powerful thing that you can yeah. do for people through photographs. I, I've done self portraits. I've done lots of photographs for friends who still use them as their portrait, as their, you know, their profile pictures on mm-hmm. social media. And it just makes me feel good. One, one year for my birthday, that's what I did was I printed out, I bought, I bought a, a big, like, um, 19 inch photo printer, like that you, um, you know, a professional photo printer. I got it from eBay for like $400 and, and it prints these, huge gorgeous photographs and so I I printed pictures out for friends and um that's just an it's an incredibly rewarding hobby and it also fed my need to do something that was creative in a way that you know when we do we care for patients we don't always we don't see the results Mm -hmm. always you know sometimes we get a very visible result and sometimes we don't and having something something tangible um, and beautiful is um, I don't know it it just there's there's not a price you can put on it yeah yeah and so how did that you know allowing yourself to have a hobby mm. allow you to have more balance and fulfillment in your life in general oh so it was a way that I could spend more time with myself, mm-hmm. you know, alone. And part, so part of it was that I needed, um, I had spent time 
because I, because I knew I needed something else. I, mm. I needed to, I needed to listen to that voice. I needed to figure out who I was and what I really wanted. And I knew I needed to listen, but I didn't really know how. Mm-hmm. So I had spent time learning, you know, mindfulness and meditation, and those were wonderful, but this was, this is just kind of a different way of being mindful and meditative, um, in a visual form. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I would somehow it also felt, I'm not sure if this is a good thing or not, but somehow it also felt like, like, this is valid because I have a result. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to get a result from this that I can show people. This is what I've been doing this time. I've been spending, (laughs) you know? Um, But I had really, like, I had, I had really started to realize how important it was that I, um, that I prioritize doing things that were creative. And I remember reading Brene Brown's book Mm. on the gifts of imperfection and, you know, her, her guideposts that she has. And one of them is, is about creativity. And she talked about um, how she had used, she had thought about creativity as this thing that like people who don't have a job do, Mm. (laughs) you know, like, or certain people are creative and certain people are not. And I very, I was really very much that same way. I had that same mindset about it. And, um, through kind of listening to her and, and other people talk about how creativity fuels other parts of our lives. that gives us energy in different ways. Um, I decided that, you know, I was like, okay, I can at least try it out. Mm-hmm. And then I realized how much it's amazing how developing those kind of skills spill over into mm-hmm. other parts of your life too. So, but yes, it was mainly because I had started to realize that, that that little voice had gotten so small and that I really needed to listen to it. And this was a way of allowing it to speak. Has that translated into listening to it more frequently in other parts of your life? And Oh, definitely. Yeah. That was, that was the beginning, you know, or part mm-hmm. of the beginning of, of that and realizing just how, um, you know, so if I would go for a while without doing that or mm-hmm. some other having some other creative outlet, um, then I could tell, you know, I, it, the, that, that creative energy feeds kind of mental and emotional energy in a certain way. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when mental and emotional energy start to get depleted, I think creativity is one of those things that helps bring it back. And, and so I could tell the ways that my mental and emotional energy were, increased by spending time being creative or spending time just being quiet and having solitude. And, um, I could tell a difference if I didn't do it. When you first started out, did you ever have a little, the little like inner critic telling you that you weren't going to be good enough at it? And Oh yeah. (laughs) That comes up for me a lot. So I'm just wondering. Oh yes. Yeah. Lots and lots (laughs) that like, Oh my God, you know, um, whenever you start, especially when you're first starting out with, um, with a new skill, that's Mm -hmm. something, you know, that you have tangible, you know, anything creative, you look at it and you're like, Oh, look, I've gotten better. And then you look next to you at that other person that's doing it. And they've, maybe they've been doing it longer than you, Mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, they've got a different looking thing than you have. And it's like, 
oh, this is terrible. You know, mm-hmm. you suddenly start to compare and suddenly what you thought was good is not good anymore. Um, and yes, this like, why are you doing this? You're a doctor. This isn't very serious. Yeah. Why aren't you doing serious things? Mm. Um, why are you doing other things with your time? Um, yeah, plenty of that. Yeah. So how do you, how do you like quiet that voice? I've learned to develop these kind of personifications of my inner critic Mm -hmm. (laughs) and inner voice um, and, and understand that they're there as a protective mechanism. They're internalized from the world around me that, you know, in whatever ways we're trying to protect me earlier in my life. And I can, you know, I've learned to practice and say, okay, I hear that. I'm choosing this over here right now. Mm-hmm. I've got a different idea about this. And that, I think that's something that's just practice, practice and awareness yeah. and, and learning to be able to counter without fighting it, mm-hmm. you know, like without thinking, oh no, I've got an inner critic and then turning yeah. that into a big thing because we all have it. It's mm-hmm. just it's part of human development. So um, yeah. So I've just learned to notice when it's there and say, hmm, I'm not, you get to ride in the back seat today. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really powerful because for I think many of us that for a long time it can that can be the driver, <laughs> that voice. Absolutely. And when we realize that no, we can decide which one of our personalities is going to be the driver. Yes. And then we, we put the inner critic. I love that you said that in the back seat. That's so perfect. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, I think um I was about that. I was gonna say with the um putting it in the back seat and just learning that learning that it's normal is something that everybody has is really important too. Yes. Yeah. I agree in hundred percent. So is there anything else that you wanted to mention or anything that you would tell like other moms who are having a hard time or are struggling with guilt of, you know, making their own time that you would say to them to get them to take the next step? Yeah, I will. I would say, so I, my kids now are my oldest is, almost 20 and my youngest is 10. We've got a big spread, but I've been raising kids for 20 years. Um, I've had the mom guilt. I've had the overcommitment. I've had all that. Like I've been there. I Mm -hmm. totally get it. And, and this was not easy necessarily um, for me to, to, to realize that I had this inner voice that needed to be listened to because the consequences of that seemed really big. Um, but I would, I would just say what, what I did in the beginning that really got me going was I made a deal with myself. I was like, okay, if this whole like self-compassion fun, doing fun things, which I didn't really think about doing very much. I thought that wasn't serious enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but it's actually like, it's an imperative to be a happy person. Um, But I I was like, okay, I will, I will practice this stuff for six months. And that is all, unless I can see that for sure, it's making a positive difference. I was really afraid that if I stopped listening to all those inner critics, that I would lose all my motivation. Mm. I thought it was going to take away my drive and take away, but it was the exact opposite, like the very opposite thing. Get free, you know, Mm -hmm. freedom does all kinds of wonderful things. But so I would just say, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with um, allowing yourself the time, you 
really just think about the fact that we know there's science behind this. We know that humans need creativity, humans need play and song and dance and fun Mm -hmm. in order to be highly functioning and have high life satisfaction. And if you don't do those things, that's not going to be true for you. Like you don't get to that without learning how to do creativity and how to be with yourself and how to play and have fun. And so if you don't really feel excited about buying into that, um, just, just test it out. Yeah. Let yourself test it out. Cause you want to be that, you want to be that example for your kids. Your kids need to see you do mm-hmm. that, or they're going to end up repeating the same negative patterns. Yeah. It's so true. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. It was great to you are so um, welcome. learn about your, your fun and create creative side. Is there mm-hmm. a place where people can find you to, or see your photography or is that more of a private thing or yeah, so I haven't, I, um, I use my photography sometimes in my, like my social media posts and things mm-hmm. like that, but I don't have like a hub for my photography. Um, but if anybody wants to find me, I am on Instagram and Facebook. You just type my name in. There's not very many Rebecca Lauderdales. Um, and uh, I have a website, RebeccaLauderdaleMD.com, um, where I have other things. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we'll make sure to, to leave those links so people can, to, can track yeah. you down. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Always a pleasure. <laughs>